You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about. Okay, there we go. There we go. Cool. I believe we've gone live. Um, it's 8.03 and uh, this is the Sports Therapy Association, episode 49. Um, people are joining us live as we speak. So Gary Benson, founder of STAs in the house. Hey, Gary. Hey, Chris. Hey, Brian. Hey, Becky. And if you do join us live, of course, then we can bring you up on the screen um, with your Facebook profile and whatever you're saying. Um, and tonight in particular, we really want you to ask questions or every evening, every um, week we do. But tonight is really all about you guys to fuel us with your questions and hey stevie as well so uh before we kick into tonight then thank you very much uh to everybody who has left reviews um on particularly on apple Podcasts. it does make a huge difference um youtube is great as well um but if you really want to help us then sports therapy session podcast on apple so if you've got an iphone it takes um a few seconds because i think you just go to the app and then you can go to the rating and just chuck five stars there fantastic leave a nice review if you want to let other people know what you thought about it um and that'd be great it makes a big difference in us just appearing in google results it's not to make money or anything it's just so we can reach more people we get fantastic guests um it'd be really nice to let people know that we're getting these guests so if you could do that that'd be great talking of fantastic guests um last week we had uh, the very esteemed and respected uh, dr mark laslett um with us um explaining the difference between sacroiliac joint dysfunction and sacroiliac joint pain and it's a great area it's a dangerous area because straight away without much of a warm-up or pillow talk it kind of gets rid of a lot of what's still taught on courses with regards to things like the stalk test and the gillet test and sacroiliac joint dysfunction it's moving too much it's moving too little palpation relying on palpation to actually make a um, um an assumption about how the person's pelvis is sitting or whether it's opening and closing properly lots and lots of stuff to make you go huh but i've just paid three grand for a course and it was all about that sorry about that but don't worry, my message afterwards and with a few posts was it doesn't mean you're throwing everything away at all. Far from it. OK, it's not about that. It's about making little changes and just changing the weight that you give to certain things. You've got amazing, the most amazing tool anybody who is a sports therapist or sports massage therapist has got is the fact that you want to help people. Not everyone wants that. Some people just want to sit in an office and press keys and make things balance and just enjoy the money after going holiday. But you guys actually want to work for not much money. And, and just have thank you from everybody at the end of the day and improve people's lives and health. That's fantastic. So at no point are we kind of attacking and taking things away from you thinking, well, what you got left? Nothing. Totally the opposite. It's all about helping you change the balance of maybe things you've learned as a foundation and then just kind of tweaking it. Did you know if this isn't so important, maybe you should practice this or do some CPD in this. That's all. But anyway, um, it's there on uh, as a podcast and on YouTube if you want to listen to it. Um, really is a master of the game. So many years of experience and papers. Um, it was a real pleasure to have uh, Dr. Mark in the house. So thank you very much for that. Right. Um, and if you do want to go to the website, then uh, Mark uh, Laslett, look that up. And there's plenty of details on courses you can do. Um, the first level course is ideal for somebody um, who is an undergraduate and wants to just brush up and some kind of evolve with regards to things like sacroiliac joints and and indeed across the whole lower back is producing fantastic papers and information for us okay um, as you saw now what i'm going to do at the beginning of the month is um produce 
all the guests coming up. So I think that's quite a good idea. I should have done it probably 49 episodes ago. But you can see what's happening this May. Um, so this week we have a, what I'm hoping will be a really productive um, and empowering discussion um, with uh, three fantastic guests, all from slightly different backgrounds, which is really cool. And I did that on purpose. So hopefully we'll have a great discussion. But you guys as well bring in those questions. Um, also, next week, we've got Gerard Green uh, with a pelvic health special. Uh, very excited about that. Anybody who follows um, Gerard Green will know um, how respected he is in that world. Uh, it's going to be great to have him in the house as well. And then the week after, we have Rachel Zoffness, um, which is going to be an astoundingly good episode. Um, she's a highly respected author of a pain management book um, and looking at the psychology of pain. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting. She's a lovely speaker, a really nice person. I encourage you all to put that in your diary. And then we'll have the long-awaited insurance special with David Balance, okay, to fire your questions about insurance. Um, and that will be, yeah, at the end of May. So hopefully um, a great month coming up. Do try and join us live if you're listening to the podcast um, or watching the YouTube video later on. Um, because whatever guest we get is all directed by you guys, asking comments, questions, and all that sort of stuff. So right so that's said and done uh what have we got for you tonight well we've got how much do words matter it's going to be i'm really looking forward to it it's going to be i've got some lovely people coming up to join us we've got matt scarsbrook the massage collective we've got rachel francis thompson um who uh, many of you might already know but when it comes to biomechanics and biomechanics education um, rachel's been in the game for a long time and evolved fantastically and i'm really looking forward to having her talk about this and also we have uh, Benjamin Mace Crosley, who's the, some of you all know him as the STA rep for Chester Wirral and kind of all that mank area. Um, and also he's got his Repose Sports Massage and Injury Clinic. Um, so fantastic collection of people. Uh, you may have seen the advert change slightly on social media. Um, it's not actually going to be an ABBA revival tonight. Uh, thanks, uh, Ben, for mocking that up. Uh, I'm sorry if that caused confusion. It is... Do Words Matter is not a new kind of song released by ABBA. Um, it is actually us. It was just a coincidence that, that uh, yeah, that came along. So it's not going to be that. If that's confusion, I'll apologise for that. It's actually going to be, as published, uh, Do Words Matter. Um, if you'd like T-shirts with that, I think they're being printed as we make. So just uh, send an email to matt at the sta.co.uk. Right, or well, mug, maybe. Okay, so let's get rid of this and start bringing up the people that matter. I'm going to get rid of the pictures. Um, in no particular order. Uh, let's bring them up. One. Hey, Ben. Hey, up. How you doing? Hey, up. There you are. <laughs> the Yorks are coming out. There we are. And Matt's here as well. How you doing, mate? I'm all right. How are you? And then let's bring up Rachel. Then we're here. Knowing me, knowing you. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks. <laughs> Excellent. Right. So um, I've just, as I was blubbering on, I've ignored people actually in the house here saying hello. So we'll just have a few more hellos to people here. Hey, Julia, how are you doing? Hope you're well as well. Alistair Cunningham is here as well. Um, Big Daniel Alley. Alexander, familiar faces. Fantastic. You've pulled out the best. Um, Gary is quoting Mike Grice, which can never be a bad thing. Here we go. To reference the great Mike Grice, no one is questioning what you're doing. Instead, think about how you explain what you're doing. Beautiful. There we go. Um, Scott Loins is here as well. Hey, Scott, how are you doing? Scott um, hosts the podcast Extra with regional reps and things. So if you're not following Scott, then make sure you do. Some fantastic information coming out on those. Um, Becky's really excited about Rachel's office. Yeah, me too. I had a chat with a fantastic person. Really nice. Now and again, you meet people in your lives, which just kind of exude kind of interest and that was she was in san francisco at the time so um it was great um chris kitson says well, chris, so dysfunctional dan 
I'm not sure what Chris was going on about. Um, and Alistair, hey, sorry, Chris, that was very dismissive. Nice to see you, Kitson. Um, and Becky DeMott Horton, the best half of the massage collection, the one I tune in to listen to, is in the house as well. Hey, Becky, how are you? Thanks for joining us. And Mike's here as well. Right, we've got a great show. Okay, thank you, people. Remember, if you've got questions for anybody, just chuck them in. We will all keep an eye on what's going on in the comments. Um, so just ask when and we will get to you, okay? Right, let's give it a bit. Okay, gang, so here we are. Um, why do words or do words, what's the title we chose? How much do words matter? So have we assumed that words do matter then? I mean, the title was really tricky. If we say how much do words matter, we all agree that words do matter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we, could probably wrap, we could probably wrap this up immediately with the classic term, it depends. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> um, why, uh, my first question, and I want this to kind of flow according to people asking questions, but why are we here having this conversation? And you can ask whoever wants to answer that. Uh, shall I go for it? Yeah, go on. I'll okay. go for it. So um, for me, um, what I've seen a lot on social media, and it's uh, no sort of bashing for the people saying it in that sense. It's more kind of just bringing a light to the fact of, um, you know, m most of uh, the sort of heads, if you want, or, you know, the sort of head leads of the social and the, the soft tissue side of things that we're seeing. They're sort of bashing the terminologies that we use as layman terms coming in from a more, you know, undergraduate and kind of brand new to the, you know, the, the profession. So, yeah, so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, so, you know, you guys can speak about it to yourselves in your sort of tongue and your language, and especially with your further education, that makes sense to you. And then to us guys and to you know the general public, we speak to it in a more layman terms because it's what we know and it's what we taught. Now that doesn't change the fact of really what we're kind of doing with our hands. You know, unless you're really thumping someone or you've just been ill taught or whatever, then the kind of the the techniques that we're sort of using anyway doesn't change so therefore the outcome doesn't particularly change so me saying you know debbie from the chippy calls in and she's saying i've got oh i've got loads of knots in my shoulders i come here let's get those knots out for you and i'm speaking to her and i'm saying oh come on let's get those knots out we've massaged the area you know we've done a couple of whatever we've done whatever techniques we've used she's left understanding that that feels better and i've got those knots out it doesn't matter what those knots are in technical and, and uh, 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 academic words, it's it's what that person thinks, what the client thinks it is, and how you're relating to that client, and what they end leave. You know, do they feel good with what you've done afterwards, and do they believe that you've got out of them what they've come to see you for? Does that make sense? Mm, Did brilliant. I work that Very right? Yeah, I think it's great. I think you've spoken for an awful, 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 awful lot of people. Um, and so if that makes sense to you guys listening um, in the house, then make sure you kind of back that up or agree or you can start disagreeing. Whatever you want to do. Yeah, fine. Disagree. Um, can I, can I... <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Talking of disagreement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking of disagreement. So <laughs> probably the first place, I mean, for me, and this actually comes out of a conversation that um, I was having with, um, with Alexander earlier, um, was that – it probably helps to have a bit of a definition of what we mean by layman's terms and to understand that taking a complex idea and making it less complex, i.e. putting it into layman's terms, does not necessarily 
or shouldn't involve changing the meaning behind that terminology and those words. And I think this is possibly where there's a little bit of uh, confusion between what a layman's term is and what you know is the is the kind of correct academic way of looking at it. If you know to use use, use your um, your terminology there, Benjamin. And mm. I think, I mean, to, to to sort of speak to your your point about knots, it may be that if an individual comes in and literally all they're identifying with is they have knots that occur and, and they find that a massage or some form of therapy helps remove them, then yeah. that's absolutely fine. But what we do know is that for people who have a little bit more complexity or for pain that's persistent, we know that what they believe changes their pain. So if, because what we, what we know is if, if, if pain is, uh, if pain is, is, is a, an expression of the nervous system, shall we say, or, 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 you know, of the brain when on balance it decides it's in danger, beliefs and thoughts are also nervous system impulses. And so we know that informs how they, how they respond to pain. So for someone for whom it's, uh, I've, I know I've overdone it at the gym and I just need a good rub, <laughs> then yeah, 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 yeah. that term, and Anna Maria will shoot me for using that term, then, then absolutely, I, I think I would agree with you, kind of what's the harm. But I think the problem is that because we don't know, very rarely do we know quickly all of that detail, we do need to be mindful about what we're reinforcing or what beliefs that client has that we're reinforcing with our language or that we're trying to move them slowly towards. So, for example, with the knots, you might say, yeah, uh, you know, this feels good to you. But you might not want to specifically say that you do feel anything or don't feel anything because we know that actually very rarely can we actually identify knots in someone's muscles. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and also it depends what they mean by a knot. Do they think that a knot is literally the tissue has twisted on itself? Do you yeah. see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and I get that. And you get people coming in who, you know, I've, I've had um, a few runners on the table who uh, they'll say, oh, my calves are completely and utterly full of knots. You know, yeah. how, how can your calf be completely full of knots? And you run, and it's like, oh, can you feel them underneath? And you kind of touch me like, not really, no. But um, if it makes you feel better, then yeah, and I'm getting them all out. I'm kind of you know rubbing up, and all I'm doing is, as you say, you're stimulating the you know the the new the nervous system around the area, and it's it's causing the stress and discomfort of the area to relax the tissue around it, and therefore the the pain tends to go away. And we get that, we understand that. But trying to explain that to somebody who maybe they don't even care to understand it on, on such a level, you know, like, yeah. So, so what is a knot? So, we could say a knot is, you know, on, on a kind of, I was explained as a trigger point within a, an, a you know, an adhesion within a muscle fiber, uh, within the myosin of a muscle fiber. Like if you start saying words like that to somebody, you know, who, who are just not that, to, uh, not turned on, but you know that mentally switched on with that. You kind of lose them. It's it's almost jargon. You know, if someone comes to you and starts talking to you about, I, I don't know how switched how switched on you are with electronics in the back of the telly. I don't have a clue what's making my telly work. I know I just want a, a high high definition telly, you know, with free view or something like that built in. And as long as they're saying it's got that in, I'll pay for it. It's fine. It's done. 
Um, so it's really, it's, it's what are they coming to you for and can you give them the relief they want? And if it's, if it's by saying to, okay, so, so another one, let's, let's make up another character. So Big Dave, rugby player, he wants someone to dig into his muscles. Yeah, I'll dig in, Dave. It's, it's just what he wants. And we know like it doesn't have to be as heavy handed as what some people want. Some people uh, prefer a lighter touch, some people prefer a heavy touch. And it's, you know, it's, and some people will stop going to a client, to a therapist, if they're too light or too heavy, because it depends on what they feel and what they like. And it's the same with that terminology. Like you could go to someone, they could start, you know, start talking about, you know, even if it's, you know, they're talking about in a, maybe a Swedish uh, massage sort of sense and they're using long strokes terminology and soft strokes and this that, and the other and they're not really talking to you about your uh, the actual muscle groups involved where if you're a sports person you kind of want a little bit more of the muscle groups in, in you know involved but then this same person who's coming to see you because they're very good masseuse who's not interested in knowing what the muscle groups are involved they just want a bit more of a a massage from someone who they've heard's really good, but they're coming to you just to understand that you're going to make them feel better to get the knots out. So, so, so what's suppose, wrong with saying that? Well, I suppose um, you know, picking up on on Stevie Barr's point, uh, a few moments ago you explained that you were, you know, when you were hands on with that calf that was full of knots, that you were. Uh, you know, interacting with the nervous system, calming things down, and and and, and essentially helping release whatever tension is yeah 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 yeah. so we we understand what it is yeah why, why is that not layman's terms because you could give that explanation and you haven't mentioned the word not because they've come to you explaining that and and wanting wanting you to get those knots out so yeah i mean you could steve you're right uh, you know we, we we could say it in that sense and kind of bring their head back around but then that person could leave feeling that they've not been listened to because you're now speaking to them in, in a, in a way that doesn't make sense to them. Wow, what is Rachel in? Yeah, Rachel. Yeah. Rachel yeah. Say they're nodding, shaking and nodding. I want to yeah, hear yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly words are really important and we all know that because that's how we communicate and we've all felt the difference being online instead of face to face. Communication is not just through words, it's through facial expression it's through contact, it's through sound, intonation. And I think there's a lot of evidence that everybody's talking about around use of words and recovery and pain and everything else. And, and that's out there. But there's no library that teaches us from a young age how to interpret words within our own context. There's a lot of cognitive bias to the use of language. And so where one will perceive it, to Ben's point, as yeah, I want you to rub a knot out. Uh, ben says, yeah, okay, I've rubbed your knot out. They feel better and that's great. And then you have another client, you use that language and there's a detrimental effect. So there's no library of do and don't use. Um, Matt's highlighting the idea that there's your technical language and then your lay language. But again, there's no list of lay language. What is that? Mm. Um, so there's always going to be arguments on both sides. And I think that's down to the therapist in their soft skill skills to be able to develop the relationship. I think Dan talked about it earlier. You have to develop a relationship. You have to understand the client and you forge that relationship over time and then develop a language 
that creates the dynamic between you. Yeah, yeah, it's that drip feed effect, isn't it, that that, uh, that Dan was mentioning. Um, and and I think you know I'm not I'm not saying use use technical jargon with your client at all. But what I am saying is be cautious about what you think is a translation to layman's terms and whether the actual um, I'm going to use it, air quotes here the truth behind the statement you're making has been altered somewhat. Um, I'm trying to think of, a, of an example. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 what I what I think the thing that we need to avoid is 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 um, and which is perhaps where some of the um, sort of myth busting and, and debunking and all those fairly strong words uh, are kind of coming into the conversation um, is that we need to be cautious that we're not implying that we are doing things to the client that we are not doing because that comes with it uh, potentially an inherent message that you are so... Uh, it's hard, isn't it? Lacking <laughs> robustness, which means that me with my hands can physically change who you are and what you are, and I can move all this stuff around, and these toxins that I'm pushing around your body, you should be really worried about. And, um, you know, but that isn't just the language, is it, though, Matt? That isn't just the, the words they're using. That could be the whole context, the whole the way it's imparted. Because that's you, the way it's taught, Rachel. But if you have a trust from a client, if they trust you, uh, and they believe in you, whatever you're saying, then that is going to have more of a beneficial effect to them feeling better with a hands-on approach or exercise or whatever it is you do. Um, if they don't trust you, if they're a bit unsure, then you could even use the same words, but the relationship between you, which is forged, yes, through words, could be forged differently with one client to another using exactly the same vocabulary, uh, to Ben's point, about your training and your background. So... It's a really tricky one, and I actually feel for all the learners and educators, I find it really difficult to choose the right words when I'm teaching people coming in at base level. And this was another point I wanted to make, if I may, just to flip this round, uh, professional to professional, which is, I think, where this whole conversation came from. Yeah. And, and the keyboard warriors who, you know, really have a go at new learners who are inexperienced at, techie speak, you know, exactly what's happening. When you're a level two gym instructor, you don't understand the concept of three or four. Same with massage. You know, you have to go through a level of comprehension, getting it wrong. It doesn't work with that client. Right, I need to change what I've done. That didn't seem to work. So I think there's a comprehension layer as well that we need to appreciate that it's just got to come over time. Is, is that, do you think... Um... Do you think that's a symptom almost of the fact that within health and fitness and, and, you know, you mentioned PTs and I think, I think it's, it's a relevant point because there is such crossover, particularly when we're talking about pain and injury, which is generally what we're talking about here. Um, do you think it, it, it comes from a, we deliver or we have traditionally delivered a, uh, a recipe approach to treating people? And for, for when those students first come across the idea that actually there is no recipe, it's entirely individual, um, and it, it sort of doesn't really matter what you do, provided you're doing it in partnership with the person in front of you, with the client, then almost that 
that freedom seems really scary and terrifying because they were hope they were expecting to be able to follow a bit of a, a formula when they when they came. And if 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 that is part of it, does that not fall back to the education side of things to actually themselves, the educators, to be confident in teaching outside of a formulaic approach? I think Mike's just nailed it, actually. Mike's just said, um, I think sometimes we find it difficult to say to clients, we don't know why things work the way they do. It just may help. I think that's the same from an education perspective. And I just want to quote uh, Mike Stewart, uh, not verbatim, by the way, but Mike Stewart did a podcast a, a few weeks ago, and he's got a degree in education, and he talked about four layers of learning. And in the beginning, you're very black and white and dualist. And what you need is you've got quads and you've got hamstrings. And that's almost it. Uh, and not that literally, uh, Matt. Don't have a go at me there. <laughs> uh, but conceptually, you need a bit of black and white because you don't have the experience and the depth of knowledge yet. Then you go on to a level three or the next level and your comprehension starts to develop. And he talked about a confusion state which is when you've learned a different concept and there's five quads and, and there might even be a six. And then you go, what's going on here? My education was rubbish. Well, it's not. It's just going through the layers of comprehension until you get to layer four, where he talked about you fit into a level of comfort in knowing what you do know, but also what you don't know. And you're really open to doing that, which is what Mike Rice has just stated there. And I suppose then, is it is, should... The level two, okay. So if we're if we're if we're equating the levels then to the levels of education as well, just as an example, just as an example. No, 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 but it's a great example. Uh, I mean, I tend to use an example of. So I, I ended up studying chemistry from GCSE through to degree, um, and and the concept of what is an atom. Uh, you're taught at GCSE level is it's basically a ball with other balls flying around it. You know that classic kind of um, Big Bang theory type styling. Uh, and then, then you end up going into into A level, and you discover that a ball isn't really ball shaped, and those things spinning around it, it's more like a vague cloud. And then you end up going up into degree level, and it's like, yeah, that's all bollocks. Um, and but all the way through, you're kind of prepped to know that what you're being taught is relevant now, but it is not the final answer. And I think I wonder if that's missing in some of the levels of education within our industry is that. I'm teaching you what you need to know now because exactly to your point, we need a framework. You need a, a, a structure to be able to hang things on in order to just simply recall. I mean, sometimes just recall your anatomy, right? But we need to perhaps prepare people for the fact that the, the, the truth is bigger than that, but this is enough for right now. And that if you continue your studies, you will, you will discover this stuff as opposed to perhaps what, we're kind of experiencing in some areas now is that people have gone all the way through to say even their level five and, 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 you know, they've been practicing for, for 10, 15 years. And then they're suddenly being told what they think is debunked or totally wrong or thrown out. And I think this is when, yeah, this is when you compare our, this type of education against degree level, which is again, the conversation I've had with Ben um, about, we're now doing it in stages, whereas if you're in a degree, you're going through that over that period of time, straight through from your level one, whatever you call it, up to level five, whatever you want to call it, to degree level. 
what our industry, both therapy and movement industries, have done has created a, a fast path. The problem is, the point you're making, Matt, we haven't quite worked out, maybe, how best to prepare them for that end level because it's developed over time while still being put out there. And, and so maybe nobody's challenged it like we are doing now. And, and you, I think you're right. I think educators should listen and think more about maybe how that pathway is developed. Maybe, I don't know. But we want cheaper and quicker, don't we, access to courses. So, Can we just, for people who are joining us on the podcast, and I mean, I always like remembering that we could have somebody who's joining. I hope we have somebody who's joining us who has just done their level three or maybe even four, depending who they've done it with. And they're kind of like, oh, I've heard on Twitter, I've seen somewhere that people are saying that all I've done is crap. And, or, you know, and, and I've heard that here the message gets put out gently and they're not just going to kind of make it feel really bad <laughs> and stuff. But can we just summarize? We've kind of touched onto it, but what is the potential harm and how backed is it, if you guys know by the evidence, of letting the client believe that you are ironing out a knot or realigning their body or making their shoulders the same length or what is the potential damage and and should we be telling all therapists about that damage regardless of level do we all agree that there is some danger in kind of this kind of structural basis i think and i'm slightly anxious to give this one and i have to shout out to mike for finding this paper for me which was by darlow i think it's 2013 and it was a study into the enduring impact of what clinicians say to people with low back pain so I was trying to look at the evidence behind language and I don't want to put any fear mongering on anybody that's not my point however to just answer your question Matt this was the response of one of the people in the study she'd been tested by various physios and pilates teachers told she's apparently got a ridiculously weak core so she had an abortion so the power of words uh, not being communicated appropriately, that to us sounds almost so extreme. But for that individual having a weak core, uh, she felt she couldn't handle having and carrying a baby. So that, that's profound. The, that's the extreme end. So. Yeah, yeah. And that is <laughs> extreme. Put it, back, put it back to something a bit more lighthearted. But I yeah, that was fascinating. So, so, yeah, I mean, that is absolutely fascinating. And, and you're right, that is a, a complete extreme end. And... I mean, and again, it comes back to the actual context of of that individual and that client in front of you right there and then. So, uh, Matt, then when you were saying about the studies of what damage we can do to people, I, I mean, if it's someone who's just coming in for a maintenance massage as such, and you're not really digging into any sort of, you know, trying to figure out if there are any dysfunctions or they're not wanting any corrective exercise or, or anything like that so you're not looking to you, know, you see some some things on on instagram where you know some um uh, therapists and whatnot are, are really they're almost hitting people with like a hammer and chisel trying to get that perfectly sort of straight pusher and and you know within a week or two everything goes back to normal uh, the way it was and then they're calling them back around again and they're kind of blaming them saying well you should have kept up your exercises without sort of saying to them so this is just how your body is, mate. <laughs> you know, it's it's the way it is. It's the way it's formed over the years through the repetition of of your life and your cho- your chosen lifestyle and the exercises you do and this and the other. And it's fine. Is it causing you any real discomfort or problem? And, that, and that's really, is it or isn't it? Is there an issue? Isn't there an issue? If it's just someone coming in just for a massage, just for a maintenance massage, just to feel good at the end of a week 
of, you know, of working in the office, being crouched over at a table, you know, looking at the phone or, you know, doing a bit of running. They just want just that, that touch of another person. And they're believing that you're getting, as I said, not, or you're going to release some tension out of their muscles. I don't think you can do any damage. I don't think, I don't think there's any damage done there. So that's that's cool for level three. And so and I, when I'm teaching like level four, and, well, people aren't quite short to do level four. I say to level three students, I'm quite jealous of you sometimes because if your only goal in life is to make people feel better, then mm. fantastic. Do massage and work out the ambience, the music you're playing, choose the music, the client lights, the lighting, the, 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 the couch you're using. All of these little factors make that person feel as relaxed as possible. It's a beautiful life and it can be really rewarding. Yeah. But I think there's a danger that a lot of people... I mean, in level three, you're not even allowed to, in theory, work on injured tissue. But as soon as you have the goal to work on someone who's in pain and they've got an injury um, and or, then things have got to change because then you are actually suddenly in the healthcare profession. And that's when the danger, I think, and what the massage industry does, the fact we've got something called a sports massage therapy, we were talking about that last week, is a bit weird wording because... What it should be is once you start working with people who are injured, the massage should become less, the hands-on should become less, because that's when you need an understanding, okay, I'm going to help this person get out of pain, right, now I need to understand pain. But at the moment, you go to pretty much every single level four, and all it is is extra manual techniques, so METs, trigger points, myofascial release. It's all about what else can you do with your hands. And the research shows pretty clearly now across, like Matt said, 10, 15 years, that the psychological aspect of someone's well-being plays a much more important part in pain rather than some anatomical thing there's much more links to it so i, I think would, in our profession of, of our level four is is wrong if you're gonna have yeah, i think the level four is pain, you speed, start you some speed of through all this, this sort of like special tests and sort of um uh you know assessment of of somebody it's just brushed over so fast and you don't learn it's almost like learning to drive you know you, you learn to pass the test and then as soon then you set free on the road and that's when really you learn and you're doing all the research yourself like on youtube on on you know sites like this and whatnot and that's when you kind of get the rude awakening to shit like i've, I've kind of been let loose here at this level four where i'm expected on i believe you know i've been told i believe i can work with injuries and you kind of you feel actually a bit clueless really in, in the real world and it's scary but are you cool with the level four then? Are you cool that you shouldn't be? If you if someone comes to you with a problem and pain issue and they're trying to get over it, then do you agree that we, we should avoid using words like release and not? Because the literature shows that that could fuel their necessity for us and a third party fixing them. That just adds to the catastrophizing. And if they come to us with a pain issue, that's what, that, I think that's where the argument to do words matter comes from. Yeah, but I think, yeah. I think there's a commercial issue here as well because there's so many people in pain. If we, um, if, if as people are training up and they're below the pain educated level, if they got rid of all the clients who experience pain, they may feel they don't have it. And I'm not saying this is right. I'm just looking at the, why people take clients on or why they command from education companies. I want more tests. I want more manual therapy techniques. They're ill-educated in actually what solves pain and problems until they've got to that level. So commercially, education, some education providers are clearly giving skills that maybe they should be enhancing the communication, the language, the consultation techniques, the motivational interviewing, behaviour change before pain resolution. Well, yeah, I mean, the different level, I mean, 
<clears throat> okay, there's a few different threads I want to pull on here. because <laughs> I'm just going to jump in and monologue for a minute, if I may. Oh. Uh, the first, the, so, so the first bit I want to pick up on um, is something you said, Matt, which is, you know, um, when giving relaxing massage, you'd be concentrating on, like, the, the nice smells, the music, the environment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when you start dealing with, with and, and you're making someone feel good with their massage, but well, see, when someone comes in with, uh, you know, injury or pain, things change. Now, I would, I'd first of all, challenge that and say, why? Why, why would, why does stuff have to change? Now, that might be me just being pedantic, but I think actually for someone who is in pain, being in a nice, nice location with nice music, nice sound, uh, and, 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 and being made to feel good through manual techniques is actually more important. But that, that, so that was just me picking up on, on something you said there. Um, and, and particularly because of the link back to, we know that psychology is so important when it comes to, to pain. In terms of then, um, this, this conflict between the different levels, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I mean, Becky, as you say, my, my better third, uh, has, has pointed out that actually we need to have an understanding of what, what throwaway words can do, what harm throwaway words can do. Um, so even when we think that the person, there's, you know, the conversation we're having is in you know, not affecting the client at all, we don't know that for sure. So we do need to be mindful of it. And I think, and that, and that can change from client to client as well, depend on their personal circumstance and what's affected them in their life and history. Isn't that with everyday life? Yeah. Isn't that with anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a conversation and you could be telling the best joke in the world to, you, to your mates and then someone yeah. overhears it and you've insulted an entire yeah. you know, population of group of people. paid for your professionalism. Yes, yeah, yeah. Whilst you're being paid for your professionalism and you are representing yourself as involved in healthcare, then actually there is a level of professionalism we, we absolutely have to meet. And I think that's where there is a, an overlap. You know, traditionally level three is kind of like you say, that feel-good spa massage. And then essentially the further you go through your levels, the further you go through your CP, what you're becoming is more clinical. And my interpretation currently of what it means to be more clinical is that you are shit hot on your red flags and you can clinically reason based on evidence-informed practice and probably the person in front of you, why you are doing what you're doing when it comes to the treatment you're applying. Now, what I think is missing from the level three is an understanding of what's going on during clinical reasoning. We don't expect clinical reasoning at level three, but there's absolutely no reason why level three cannot work on someone with long-term chronic lower back pain if they've been clinically assessed to only have non-specific lower back pain and it's not in fact cord requirement or it's not in fact you know something else more sinister that needs looking at there's actually realistically no reason why a level three couldn't work on someone with pain they just need to have it cleared because they they're not being expected to know the level of red flags and clinical reasoning that means we can we can confidently say actually a massage isn't going to isn't going to cause any untold problems or we're not delaying this individual in seeking further care and so level three person needs to see 100 patients or 200 patients before they can start appreciating that that's what i mean by level three i mean you could argue to learn about people but you could argue here that um this is where the education needs to change and maybe a level three shouldn't get full insurance they should be under a, a level four five or a clinician 
on probation, a bit like physiotherapy training, for example, they come out, they go in the NHS for a period of time. So that the educate, and I know uh, Gary's one of the best people to speak to about education and levels, some of the comments he's been putting in, but this might be where groups like STA, like us here, and what we're doing is discussing ideas about how education could, should change to help the level threes work, earn money, be in practice, while being uh, mentored by somebody who's higher qualified and can guide them through the language, the consultation, and so on and so forth. I don't know. What do you think? I, yeah, I agree. I think, I think there's probably a larger question here, which is not one necessary to answer, because like you say, we don't have people like, like, like Gary here, but is level three fit for purpose? Mm. Level four or five fit for purpose based on what we know currently, based on the, um, the, the types of uh, courses available. Because essentially, you know, again, the, 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 very, <laughs> the very raw position I take in terms of um, manual therapies at the moment is um, to be a damn good manual therapist, you need to have critical thinking skills, clinical reasoning skills, you need to know your red flags like the back of your hand. And then how you actually touch someone is entirely independent on that person because yeah. fundamentally the techniques are all doing the same thing. Yeah. And, and, and that is usually the bit that scares people because they feel like they've gone and they've learned, you know, they've done a whole weekend of myofascial release work. They've done a whole weekend on, on um, trigger point work realistically it's all doing the same thing but it's in it's how it's interpreted by the client and that interpretation comes with words it always does you know i don't know any therapist who's silent during treatment um dan williams made a good point uh, and it's why is pain education not one of the first things taught at level three and i completely agree why, why is that like because that's one of the fundamental things really that where that we need to understand but I think third, yeah. education is about 30 years out of date, even though it gets modernised. It's, yeah, it's not developed to the physical person that we are today. 30 years ago when I was teaching Group X, anybody got an injury? Nobody had an injury. And if someone did, everyone was concerned. It was like, oh, now it's, it's the norm to have an injury or an ailment or a modern condition of our lifestyle. And, and I'm not sure that education is caught up with that on, on a broader scope, which is why we're having this conversation. I mean, we, do, do, do we think in that sense that that maybe then even? I mean, I'm I'm touching I'm touching a dangerous ground here. But do you, do we think that maybe the medical system then are, we're over labelling things? Are we over labelling things? As you, as you said, there, like everyone's got something. So are we over labelling things? So I think that is a record. I don't know. <laughs> that is a record within within healthcare is is. Um, is diagnosis useful uh, and, and to how and to what extent is diagnosis useful to what extent is giving someone a label useful you know we, we call a lot of things syndrome so piriformis syndrome for example yeah the reason it's a syndrome is because we don't really know what's going on it's just hurting around your backside and you're getting a little bit of sciatic type pain anything with the word syndrome after it generally means we don't know um, but yeah. we need to label people because we need to label people usually is it to give an answer well, it's, it's, it's to give an answer, but it's also based on measurements. We have to measure people to know if we've made a difference. We have to measure groups of people to know whether, you know, the public health offerings shifted the needle in terms of 
better outcomes. Mm. And so there is almost a requirement for labeling. Now, as private practitioners, we have a lot more scope there as to whether we decide to label people or not. And that's, yeah. that's the awesome aspect of being what we are. And, you know, let's not go down the regulation route, but, but, but the fact that we're not regulated means that actually as individuals, we, we have that autonomy and that is amazing. So long as we understand the responsibility, I think that comes with, and that that responsibility being to educate ourselves, and and probably apply pressure on our educators to make sure that they're at, you know, the top of their game as well. But everyone right. just wants so, it cheaper. Nobody <laughs> wants to speak. I'm just oh, no. here, please. <laughs> Can we all just have a moment's silence. Okay, this is important. Gary Benson says in the comments, people are listening, I so wish I could contribute to this conversation. <laughs> Gary, the stage Don't let him on. Don't let him on. Whilst Gary is um, typing out his contribution to the conversation, <laughs> um, I'm interested in how... So we're all talking about things need to change to various degrees and stuff, and I'm sitting here kind of nodding and shaking. And But one of the interesting things that I'd like your ideas about is how do we get these ideas across to a therapist without making them feel threatened because a lot of the time it does feel like we're saying um everything you've done has been a waste of time and some of the language and, and it's useful for me to sit back and just shut up because i can hear words that trigger me like i don't like i don't like it when i hear matt say basically they all do the same thing for me that's obviously something you wouldn't say to any <laughs> therapist and i'm not even sure they are all doing the same thing because they're not all doing the same thing. As soon as you start touching someone with different depth or sense or angle or the other side or or the way you're touching them, picking them up, prodding or poking, or all the different Swedish massage techniques, like, all stimulating in a different way. But all I'm that, doing well, is blabbing on someone Gary to speak. That's fine. What I'll do is I'll, I'll defend that comment quickly because it is a gross generalisation and I am I am uh, very adapted, uh, adept at doing that. So when I say they're all doing the same thing, what I mean is fundamentally we're interacting with the with the person's with the client's nervous system. Yeah, you make it sound uh, like you can only interact with the nervous system in one way. Uh, no, you can interact with the nervous system. Well, this the, again, this comes back to words. Words are interacting with the nervous system. The environment, the smell, is interacting with the client's nervous system. So yeah. the different touch is 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 interacting with the client's nervous system in different ways. But it's not doing anything other than that. So when I say it's all doing the same thing, what I mean is it's all interacting with the nervous system. At that level, they're all doing the same thing. You can touch people in different ways and get very different reactions. Believe me, it's kind of... It's, but how's, think, that, how's that touch interpreted by the individual? Through their nervous system? Yeah, the, the, the conduit is the same, but I think it's dangerous saying that just because you're touching them it's always it's still just doing the nervous system there's plenty of different ways to get a different reaction you slap someone slap a kid around the head they're gonna have a different reaction than tickling them behind the ear lobe aren't you it's kind of very different you've only and i'm not condoning <laughs> child hitting or anything just for the podcast okay? just using an example from the 1980s but i think that comes back to the layers of comprehension and, and what matt's pointing out is there's a very simple hand to skin or skin to skin contact as a neural um, influence then there's the variables of pressure, speed, you know, timing, body part, the language, the smells, the heat, the surface of the massage bed, create the variables. And that is potentially what well, is controllable by partially, at least by the therapist, but also in part from the client. 
And so it's that interaction where the language is important in the consultation, the language is important in the education. I think the, um, the idea of listening more and speaking less is important. Um, and, and almost that listening between the lines to know how to drip feed. A lot of the comments coming in is about Chris and Dan and Mike, about drip feeding information back to the client and maybe saying less in the beginning until we get to know them and then start to gradually introduce a vocabulary. It might be a, a simplistic way of starting to solve this problem for people, particularly people at level three just now. If they're feeling a bit confused, I'm just aware some of the people listening maybe level three, and it may be that it's it's uh, worrying them a little bit. So that's a simple way of maybe considering it. I must admit, I'm, I know Gary's looks like he's finished chatting, so I'll keep this very brief. But the way I look at it, I know I know it can seem like we're throwing the baby and the bathwater and pretty much the rubber duck out all at the same time when it comes to to therapy when we discuss like this but i i try and look at it the other way which is actually we have almost more scope to work with people now that we understand a bit better what it is that we're doing and and don't get me wrong what we're saying is not definitive this is just the best evidence we've got at the moment uh, and and it will continue to evolve and and uh, but it's more likely to become a bit more granular in our understanding rather than massive shifts um but i see it as actually being a very very positive thing that we can touch people and that they can trust us to touch them and that we can adjust the way we touch them to meet their needs in an environment that, that suits them um, and the time that we can spend with them. And I, I, I think it is more powerful to be able to put that back onto the client and say, I will facilitate you by making you feel good, but you're the one doing the hard work here, as opposed to I am modifying your tissues and changing you know, your, your physical makeup as a result. I, I, I genuinely think this is all really positive stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's the old idea of literally um, you touch somebody on the elbow if you want to sell them something. You know, the old car salesman idea and, and human contact. We know it's powerful. The, the, the skill of the therapist is understanding that power and then how to play the tune, so to speak, in, in pressure speed and everything else. Absolutely. Can I just raise the point? Because I'd like to go, it kind of just changes the conversation, the dialect a little bit, if that's all right. And Matt, you've talked about uh, the idea of marketing, which I think is an interesting point that Gary mentioned in previous chats about the way we communicate what we do in our marketing mm. versus what we do with the client in the class, in the um, therapy room. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to say something on that, Matt. Yeah, again, so um, I'll, I'll attribute this to, to Dan Williams because, again, it came from a conversation I was having with him, but it was a reflection on, um, okay, so the, obviously this conversation started when we were talking about the difference between lay, layman's terms and, and technical speak and jargon and all that kind of stuff. But there is obviously a temptation when it comes to marketing um, to kind of put down what what the client wants to hear, what you think is going to attract them. And we know that <laughs> are still a lot of courses um, out there that are teaching I'm going to use the word debunked and I know that is kind of a bit strong but but teaching concepts that put it, that the evidence has moved so far on from that are almost not relevant now and 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 and, and 
frankly shouldn't be taught now because it just muddies the waters when when therapists then come across someone else saying no well no, that's rubbish things like improved blood flow things like flushing toxins um and things like releasing fascia and and it's and it's and it's then the question is but, but if that's what the client is looking for yeah where does it become oh, i don't know immoral <laughs> out of order to use that in your marketing and are you are you preempting the conversation with the client because they've seen on your website that you flush toxins and so they're coming in going well i feel crap can you flush my toxins i know no one does that but as an example well well you say that i was doing some research i've got some links to some websites that will teach you how to flush out the toxins and massage knots but um i think when it comes to marketing the challenge is and you're right People want to get people through the door so they can practice, so they can advance, they can get more skilled. If they're not coming through the door, there's these sexy things they can say, like detox, flush out, whatever, uh, you know, pain relief or whatever it is. And so there's that problem, isn't there, between getting the clients in to get the practice and actually setting up an appropriate, which is what I think you're talking about, Matt, an appropriate level of expectation so when they come in, they're already not they're either expecting to be flushed out or not and so you're able to correct the language as you get or have the right language right from the beginning yeah i mean you you need some of that terminology within your 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 business scope as well to advertise it as when people you know google search engines work so people will be googling looking and using those terminologies to try and find someone to help with that and if you've got none of that terminology in there because as you say, you know, it's it's debunked, then you're never going to come up on a Google search engine as well. So you kind of need that within the marketing as well. Absolutely. So it is hard. It is hard. But I, then I would suppose, again, to play devil's advocate, I don't necessarily have an answer to this. So this is pure devil's advocate. But whose fault is that if that's what the general public are searching for? Who is Whose responsibility is it to communicate to the to the general public that, again, Things have moved forward and the therapy world is moving forward with it, with any luck. Uh, and, and so actually your expectations uh, need to shift along with what it is that we're delivering because we're not static. And actually, we should be proud of the fact we're not static. Um, yeah. You know, it's the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the therapies that remain static that worry me. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think we all need to collectively be responsible for presenting integrity in all of our marketing, vocabulary, uh, uh, you know, doing this, I'm fully aware, I'm trying to be careful about what I am saying, because I'm aware that there's a mixed audience out there that's going to watch this back, you know, all the people in here now. And I'm always trying to think of all the different perceptions that I might create with every word I choose to use. So marketing isn't a throwaway, I can fix this, but I think as, as a group, the fact we're all here now and anybody who's listening to this is a great thing. We need to be collectively responsible in how we present ourselves with integrity to set up the right expectation. Yeah, I mean, this is a conversation, funny enough, we've, we've had within um, the <clears throat> ISRN, um, which is uh, obviously a different professional association. Uh, um, so, <laughs> I thought they'd collapse. I was going to say, yeah. Mute. Didn't see TCT by then? I can't remember. I <laughs> um, but w- when it comes to the term soft tissue therapy, so, you know, uh, the, the, the level five diploma in soft tissue therapy, you're qualified to be a soft tissue therapist. Well, clearly, 
what's a soft tissue therapist? <laughs> it, it very much depends on the public perception of what a soft tissue therapist is. And certainly when the qualification was uh, re, uh, I'm going to say rebranded, that sounds terrible, but essentially retitled, no one had a bloody clue what a soft tissue therapist was. So you tended to find no one was searching for you. And so from a marketing perspective, if you didn't have sports and remedial massage therapist on there, no one would know what you were. <laughs> Sorry, man, <laughs> <to agree>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. No, I can't do that to Matt. I can't do that to Matt. Okay, look, well, it's got this, it's 8.59 already, so that was a quick hour. Um, I want to kind of sum up now, because we've had a chance, us four, to listen to each other. Mm. Um, is there anything which you've heard somebody else say? Because that's hopefully what people listening to the podcast as well are going to do. What have I heard tonight that's going to change what I'm going to do or the way I think? Is there anything you've heard anyone else say which has made you think, oh, that's just, actually, that's going to make me reflect a little bit? Um, anybody can answer that. I don't want to pick on one person. Or anything yeah. just in the general conversation which you thought, yeah, oh, I need to consider um, Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything. I, I mean, maybe not even on tonight. I just think, you know, all four of us have been chatting over over the last you know few days and whatnot. And... Um, yeah, no, I, I completely I agree in the sense of we, we do need to be re-educating people, uh, the client, you know, the, our communities, to be able to get on board with the times so that we as therapists can grow with the times as well. Because we're kind of like stuck in this sort of sandwich, aren't we, where we're getting this education, which is out of all, you know, it's, 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 it's no good anymore, but the rest of the world still lives around this. And so where then, you know, above we're getting taught then newer things about, you know, that it's not right to say this, that and the other. And you're kind of just stuck in between because everybody else in the world is still eating this bottom layer of a sandwich. So how do we get that point across? And the only way to do so is for us as therapists to start using that in our vocabulary to normal people and make it those sort of layman terms. But you know, that's, that's a lot of sandwiches to eat, isn't it? I mean, I, I, <laughs> Rachel made um, a really cracking point earlier in that, that you know, where is the meta- metaphorical dictionary that, that provides us the layman's terms for the technical terminology that we use that we could perhaps all agree upon um, and, and provide some consistency? Because I think what we're saying here is that we need consistency in our education we need consistency then as therapists and we need to get that consistency kind of consistent enough that, that actually the general public get it as well. Um, but, but we do need, you know, we do need a, maybe a bit of a, a language framework. I mean, there's been some, there's some brilliant papers and studies that have looked at or, or recommendations that have looked at how to rephrase things like wear and tear. It's actually just, normal age related changes um yeah. why not why not come up with a bit of a glossary of terms that are that are common within manual therapy that there's a bit of a consensus on that we can start using a bit more because again the more consistent we are as therapists the more the general public are likely to pick up on it because I, I you know i don't think we're, we're ever going to have a full-on media campaign to tell the general public that, get in touch yeah. with apple exactly you're not so you're not so <laughs> Your knots aren't knots. Uh, they're just sore points of unknown origin. I mean, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. But perhaps if we can start introducing some of that language. So that was my reflection. I think my reflection, in, which I think I've always been, 
uh, prone to. I'm at Scott. <laughs> is, I know, I've just seen it. Uh, <laughs> is to critically analyse what I do both as a practitioner and as a teacher. Um, and when Matt messaged me and asked me to, if I'd be on this, it just gave me do words matter. And I, and I went away and I've done a little bit of uh, research <laughs> and I've now got a pile of CPD, which is helping me to, self, uh, to self-reflect, to develop. And then what I will do is take this conversation. I've had some private chats with Ben as well. Um, and, and develop that to then support both my clients and my learners as well. That we've got to be open and honest. I feel responsible when we can influence people through these chats. I feel very responsible to say we're the same. We're all the same. Uh, there's no hierarchy. There may be levels, but as Gary says, let's get rid of those levels. But um, yeah. we need to be open and honest about how vulnerable we are each individually, even as influencers. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I don't know if it's if it's worth bringing up Leanne uh, Woolworths because yeah. that one tugs on the heartstrings um, because I I really I really do feel for you Leanne um, you know making the point that it's frustrating to hear that a course perhaps you've done recently is outdated uh, and yet when you're looking at other courses obviously there is then um, the advertising tactic of well this course is more modern well well what does that mean you don't know what you don't know. So how can you tell what's being presented is more modern um, yeah. and, and is, is evidence-based? And, and it, you know, to spin it from the, from the perspective of an educator who markets courses, yeah, that's really tricky as well. How do we, how do we make sure that, you know, um, the likes of, of um, Mike Rice and, and, and Anna Maria at the school, how, how do they make sure that the content that they're providing and the way they provide it comes across as accurate and trustworthy as opposed to merely just more noise. And there's a lot of noise in our industry. It is tricky. Um, you know, so I think I would hope that educators worth their salt are working as hard as possible to communicate things well. Um, and it comes down to doing a little bit of uh, your own research as well, I think. Yeah, Gary for president. <laughs> <laughs> It's been really nice. I've sat back tonight listening to everybody, also just keeping an eye on the comments. And I think one of the things when we talk about a topic like this is just seeing all the different reactions. And it is like having any class as an educator where you've got people in the class who've got different personalities and different, they switch off of different things, they learn differently. And for example, like Leanne's comment, there are people who, who feel that, you know, the initial reaction is kind of like disappointment and maybe anger and confusion and frustration. And I think one of the challenges is, I mean, I'll stick by my guns and say that there is a lot wrong in our industry. It's outdated. Um, in most courses I see out there, they're just encouraging people when they increase levels to look for something else to do with their hands. Let's stick pins in. Let's use little rubber pods to lift people's skin up. I'm not going to mince my words with that. There's an awful lot which is drawing us away from the brain and just concentrating more on the skin and the fascia and the structure. And let's make this person aligned. So. But as an ed, and I'm sorry if I've offended anyone listening now, but what I'm also conscious of is we got to try and find a way, and this is really going out to educators, of finding, select, giving as many doors as possible 
for these people to actually gently have a little poke inside and enjoy what they see. For me, it was comedy. I mean, I love comedy. We were talking about um, Greg Davis and we were talking about that earlier on, having a laugh about uh, yeah, Taskmaster. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Rachel who said that Matt's a bit like Alex Horn of Anne-Marie and, <laughs> and, and Becky. <laughs> but for me, it was comedy. So for me, Laura Mosley, for example, was the door. When I looked at his videos on YouTube and I heard about his story of like stepping on the on the on the snake and then years later stepping on something else and thinking it was a snake and all the it was all done in comedy. But it, that just struck my brain and thought, oh, my God, he's just explained to me in, in a joke something that's so significant. And then you learn about phantom limb pain or something with somebody who's suffering in a, a pain in their toenail, which hasn't been there for 10 years. So it's all about trying to find the little doors which allow people to progress and evolve gently because it is an exciting thing and i go what i said before i mean hats off to anybody who wants to help people in pain it's a beautiful life and it can be really rewarding and no one's trying to belittle what you've studied in the past but we are i say we like when you find people who are presenting new information to you it is also because we want to help therapists help others as well but you're going to have to look around a little bit and find what tickles your fancy. It might be Paul Ingram. It might be Greg Lehman. It might not be either of those two. You might despise what they say. You know, you might like shouty, shouty Adam Meekins and think, oh, that's woken me up. But you might hate it. So with regards to Leanne's comment, have a little read around and find someone who you like the sound of who doesn't make you feel threatened. Maybe go and see them live so you can meet them in person or something and then work from that. If you find someone who ticks your boxes, then look at who, who they hang around with and open it up that way. It is exciting. I've never been more excited than before, you know, knowing what I know now and knowing that I know quite less than I thought. And it's a good, it's a great thing, you know. So I just want to jump in because yeah. um, actually it reflects, uh, again, a conversation I had with um, a current student of ours um, uh, earlier today. It's just popped into my head. When you were mentioning those phenomenal thinkers in, in kind of the musculoskeletal world, because I'm not all sports therapists, there's physios in there as well. But another incredibly valuable place of information particularly if what you're looking for is how do i work out what's being sold to me is credible is go and speak to patient advocates themselves the likes of Gilletta Bel- uh, belton the likes of keith meldrum um because they're folks who have lived this <laughs> you know they have tried everything and they know what works and they know what doesn't work and they are so close to uh, the pain research and, and, and looking at it from a, uh, a patient advocate or a person living with pain advocate perspective, that actually that's probably a really valuable point to start at to work out, okay, so what messaging actually should I be looking for? Because if the people who live with pain don't credit it, then it's probably not worth your time either. Could be. That's good. Yeah, good advice. Yeah. All right, folks, it's 9.10. We will have to have a part two, I suppose. We keep saying that. I've got 50 part twos coming up soon, so look out for those. <laughs> no, 49 part twos. Um, right, well, guys, I really appreciate your time. I think it was good. We introduced a few different angles, and we're still talking to each other, which is nice, which is all about as well. Okay. Um, talking is the way to get educated, isn't it? So people, feel free to keep this conversation going. Chat about what you've heard. Challenge what you've heard. Don't be afraid to challenge anybody. That's important as well um and um yeah thanks for coming along um just briefly quickly rachel have you got anything coming up in your fantastic professional life of helping others what have you got oh, going on? oh um yeah we're back to face to face so um but we've still got this online portfolio that we've 
put together over the last year so they can find that on biomechanicseducation.com. Thank you. Fantastic. There you go. And you're going to release soon a new CPD course for um, everything we've talked about tonight by Luke. Language. <laughs> well, I'm, actually, I'm actually just doing Dr. Gary Mendoza's behavior change and motivational interviewing, and it's brilliant. Fantastic. Yes, look out for that. Um, Matt, what you got going on? Massage Collective have been interviewing us. Bronnie Leonard, uh, Bronnie. I've got a Yeah. Yeah. Um, some great guests you've had. Still going strong. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, so the Massage Matters podcast is, is cracking on. We'll be doing a, another live from Therapy Live. Uh, which is June the 11th. If you haven't got your ticket, your free ticket to Therapy Live. Um, a hundred, there'll be a hundred sessions over the day, 10, 10 rooms of 10 streams. Um, and yeah, it's looking immense. Um, I've, I'm waiting until I'm allowed to talk about a very, very exciting chat that's been lined up for me. Um, wow. so uh, st- stay tuned for that one. Um, and, uh, yeah. And obviously, yeah, back in the classroom. It's awesome to be back in the classroom. <laughs> very nice. And Benjamin, is it? Can I call you Ben? I'll call you Ben, but I realise you yeah. might not go by Ben. Do you go by Ben? Yeah, call me Ben. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I keep it so formal on, on socials and stuff. <laughs> anyway, it's Benjamin. Calls me, call, my friends call me Benno for some reason. I don't Benno, know. I like yeah, it. It's like I'm from Australia or something, but yeah, it seems to have stuck. Um, so I just opened up a new clinic. So I used to have a clinic space in Chester City Centre, and now I've moved to to my, well, Hellsby, the community I live in, we've got a brand new um, sports community centre uh, that's opened up and I managed to bag their back room there. So it's very exciting. I opened up this week. And then, um, yeah, I mean, just from talking to you guys as well, um, you know, it sort of put me in a direction of where I wanted to start aiming my education and whatnot as well. You know, I was looking at doing a level five course with St. Helens College Um but now, you know, after speaking to you, I, I didn't think it was fit for purpose. So I, I wanted to know more of more of an evidence-based clinical aspect of what we do. So I chose Mike Grice's course and I just signed up to that. I'm teaming up and working with the wonderful Alistair Cunningham. He's Liverpool branch. Thank you. Fantastic. Good shout out there for Mike's course. No, that'll be exciting. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, yeah, following you. I think you've got lots of really useful stuff to say. And yeah, fresh face as well. Not to say that Rachel's not fresh and Matt's not fresh, but it's always nice to have um, this isn't somebody. Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Matt was fresh. I remember when Scarsbrook was like, that's an interesting bloke. You had Matt Scarsbrook. Yeah, he... and now he's just everywhere. So, but it's nice to get someone who's fresh, Ben. We're going to turn you. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think you've got a lot to say. I think you represent nicely people who are a bit wide. And the, the points you raise are really, really valid. I think it's useful for educators to hear people like yourself saying, what about, you know, when Dave. Big Dave, the rugby player, and I can't remember the name yeah, of the person yeah, yeah. the chip shop. But it's really good. It's we need to hear more of that. So thank you for for giving Mean us that. that. In time, Ben is going to sport a beard. Sponsored <laughs> by. I've been there. I've been there. I know, but it's it's kind it's of. It's so a... twenty year ago. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a, a massaging it live podcast, won't it? It'll be something yeah. like that. <laughs> massaging it large. Great. All right then. Oh, it's probably you got yeah. It's just just for all inclusivity. Say that again. I said it's not to say you wouldn't look gorgeous in a beard. Oh, oh. 
<laughs> I'll doctor that one on the next, uh, the next promo. <laughs> right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Sorry, we forgot we were still alive. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. This has been the first episode. I've actually kind of made notes whilst people were, te- you know, were talking and stuff and, and people were writing comments. So I've got stuff to read through myself. But, yeah, thanks for joining us, everyone. Um, and like I say, uh, spread the word. Obviously, one way to get this information out if you guys have found this useful is to spread it with people who don't know about us. Remember, it's not uh, nothing about the STA. Believe Gary is not nothing about the STA is money making, um, but it is about trying to help as many people you know as we can. So really do do don't hold back on sharing this on social media, particularly with people who don't know about us or people you think it might help. That's one of the greatest ways to improve education is just word of mouth from people who already trusted. So do us a favor and share it with someone if, if you can. That'd be great. Um, but we'll be back next week with Gerard Green and it's going to be all about uh, pelvic health. Um, so that's going to be a really interesting session. Um, eight o'clock um, on the Sports Therapy Association Facebook page. But for now, from Rachel Francis Thompson and Benny Benno Ben Boy Mace Cosley <laughs> and Matt Scarsburg of the Massage Matters podcast, um, we wish you good night and take care of each other. You're listening to the Sports Therapy Association podcast. Let's talk about it.